So as Richard said, um, we've kind of got a bit of a mini talk series coming up for two, two weeks. And uh, can you believe it's July already? So we've kind of hit the, the kind of half yearly mark. And uh, the Lord impressed upon me a while ago um, a particular subject that he wanted me to preach on before we kind of move on. And uh, he gave me a particular verse. And funnily enough, uh, last week, Eric Turner uh, emailed me and said, Mark, in the service on Sunday, the Lord gave me this verse. And he said he wanted, he had a message for us. Lo and behold, it's exactly the same verse. Can't make this stuff up, hey? <laughs> and then I go this week into one of my Bible commentaries. It's one of these, it's Matthew Henry's, you might have heard of his huge book. I mean, it's this big and the, the, the lettering is so small. And uh, I, I, I just turned in my prep to that verse. And it was the only verse in that whole thing that had this keyword underlined. I was like, what? And I was with Richard. And I was like, look, Richard, nothing else is underlined in this commentary except for this word. And now you're all like saying, well, what is the word, Mark? <laughs> what is the word? Here's the word, treasure. And it comes from Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there is your heart also. So why do we think God is getting our attention midway through the year and wants to, we want to focus on this for two weeks? You know, I believe that for many of us, we've hit a point uh, where we feel as if maybe we're unable to push in anymore. It's not that we don't want to. It's just that we find that the cares of this world seem to, to be creeping in. I've got to be honest. I can be honest here, right? I feel that sometimes. I want to take the foot off the gas. I'm just too worried about saying yes to Jesus because what's it going to cost me? Hasn't it cost me enough already, Lord? Do you want more? You know, maybe just the cares of this world and this life and the comforts are just too, way too appealing. Do I really have to do that, Lord? And I've got to be honest with you. I think some of us, we do hit that point. And I think, you know, before we continue positioning ourselves and pressing in, I feel like God's got a message for us to help unblock that and unlock that. Because it's not as if we don't want to. It's as if we find somehow that it's almost as if our heart is divided. And so over the next two weeks, we're going to spend time on this one verse and ask the simple question, where is your treasure? Because where your treasure is, you will find your heart. And I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think this is going to be necessarily easy. Heads up. I think for many of us, it might feel a bit like heart surgery. But good news, good news, God is the great physician. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't mess up. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's surgical, and it's for a reason. And so I would encourage you to stick, stick with me for this week and next week. And this week, the talk is entitled, An Issue of the Heart. And what we're going to do is unpack the first part of the verse, Matthew 6, 21, verse 20, which is, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where rust and, moss, rust and moth destroy. And next week, we're going to unpack the second part of that, which is, but lay out for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth or rust destroys. And that's going to be an interesting one, because that is quite a controversial subject. So if you want to come along and listen about a hot potato, then next week, make sure you're here. Now let's start. I want to start, before we get straight into Matthew 6, I want to provide some context and start in Matthew 5. And you might want to turn... Uh, turn with me to Matthew 5. And what I'm going to do is just provide a bit of context and a bit of background because I think it's really helpful and interesting before we get straight into uh, Matthew 6. You see, what we find, that statement, where your treasure is, there is your heart also. It's in the middle of what is probably the most famous of passages in the Bible. 
You see, what we find here is Jesus had just come out of um, the wilderness, having fasted for 40 days and nights and been tempted by the devil. And he comes out victorious. And then he's filled with the power of the Spirit, as we know. And he goes out in boldness and he starts his public ministry. And he starts healing people and declaring that the kingdom of heaven is, 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 is near. Repent, he said. And he starts healing people and everyone's like, wow, who's this guy, Jesus? He must be the Messiah we've been waiting for for so long. He's going to reestablish Israel. And they keep following him and the crowd swell. Even the Pharisees and the teachers of the law come out of the synagogues and follow this guy called Jesus. And then all of a sudden Jesus looks around and there's tons of people. And he's like, wow, okay, I've got a message for you guys. So he goes up onto a mountain top and he starts what is famously known as the Sermon on the Mount. And how does he start his public ministry? Does he start it with a great manifesto, a great pledge of what he's going to do? Does he tell them how he's going to establish the kingdom? This is how he starts, Matthew, Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What? You mean we got up the mountaintop for that? Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not how it works. We were expecting you to tell us how you were going to establish the kingdom here on earth for us. It doesn't work like that, Jesus. And what do you mean poor? Are you insulting us? Blessed are the poor in spirit. We're, we're pretty good, actually. We're pretty rich. I mean, you should check out those Pharisees and Sadducees. I mean, they talk about being able to fulfill the law. They do everything you want them to do. No, they are perfect. No, they are really good. And he goes on with eight more. Blessed are those. What is he talking about? Heart. You see, what he was doing was challenging their idea of what God's kingdom really is and who they really are. And that's what God's doing this morning. And then he goes to this crazy, shocking verse in verse 20. Listen to this. Unless your righteousness, in other words, your right living, exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow, talk about an insult. And you can imagine the people, what? But we've already told you they're perfect. I mean, they do everything you ask. There is no way we can be better than that. You should hear them pray really loud with really complex words. You should see the way they give so everyone can see. You should see the way they fast. They look so mournful, but they do it right. You see, what Jesus is saying here is not about the outward appearance. It's an issue of the heart. You see, righteous acts devoid of heart is just manufactured holiness. Righteous acts devoid of heart is just manufactured holiness. And that's not how you get into the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on in his second discourse in 21. He said, you've heard it said. And again, zero, Jesus zeroes in on the heart. You've heard it said in the law, do not murder. But let me tell you, if you even think of someone as a fool, you're going to hell. I mean, Jesus used the word hell. It's true. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, whoever looks at a woman with lustful intent has already done so. What are you going on, Jesus? This is not what we expected. You've heard it said that you shall love your neighbor, but I tell you, you've got to love your enemies. What? How radical is this? But we've been doing the law for, for so long. We've been fulfilling the law. Righteous acts devoid of heart is manufactured holiness. Is that really what the kingdom of heaven is all about? An issue of the heart? And then he goes on for a third time. Jesus is not letting up. You can imagine this crowd. And then he says, and when you, and when you pray, and when you give, and when you fast, do not do it so that other people may see what you do and therefore laud you and applaud you, but do it in secret. 
and what you do in secret, God will reward you. What was that about, heart? God was trying to get to their heart. Wow. And then he goes for it. He goes for the juggler. And this is where we get, you see, in this context. He's talking about heart. Talking about heart. And he says this, Matthew 6, 19. And do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, because where your treasure is, verse 21, there is your heart. This is hard going, isn't it? You can imagine the crowd. They're like, this is not what we expected. This is not what we expected. And the answer is pretty clear. You know, what is the treasure that Jesus is talking about here? Well, we read it in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Uh Uh-oh, money. He said money. Did we inadvertently find ourselves in a money talk? Oh, no. You can't talk about sex, money, and politics in church. It turns out Jesus speaks about those subjects a lot, actually. So it is a money talk, but it's about our hearts. Now, why is this important? Because throughout Scripture, the Bible refers to the heart as the center of our being, our emotions, our reason, and our will. In other words, your heart is the rudder of your life. Did you know that? It's the rudder of your life. Your heart is the anchor of your affections. How many uh, nautical things can I talk about here? And the true north of your life. That's three. That was pretty impressive. I haven't got a fourth, I'm afraid. But it's true, the heart is the anchor of your affections. It is the rudder of your life. We know that, don't we? That's why Jesus said it. You cannot serve two masters. And then Proverbs 4.23, this is a brilliant verse. You might want to write this down. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. No wonder God is jealous for our hearts. He's concerned about what we do. And so what we can find is that when we press into Jesus, this is me now telling you about my life, I discover that my heart isn't really truly his alone. I've got to be honest. It really isn't. I wish I could tell you right now that Jesus was my one and only treasure, but the reality is is I recognize he isn't. And I'm on a journey. I'm not preaching this from a position I've got it sussed. No. I'm preaching this from a position that I recognize in my life that I need to change but I recognize that God is calling me to a deeper relationship with him. And you see what happens when we serve too. We find resistance when we want to press into the things of God. You know, when God says, I want you to do this, you go, oh, but who's going to supply my needs? When we press in, we say, no, I can't do that, Lord, because I'm going to have to sacrifice something. And what are we doing? We're serving two masters. What about the story of the rich young man, Matthew 16, 19, sorry, 16 and 30. A rich man comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I fulfilled everything of the law. And Jesus says, oh, good job. And he says, what must I do more to enter the kingdom of heaven? And he says this, go and take all your money and sell it and follow me. So what? I can't do it. Now, let me tell you right now, Jesus was not saying money is bad. But he recognized that his righteous acts were devoid of heart. And so Jesus was testing him. Listen. I can recognize Jesus was saying that you, you serve money more than you serve God. You might think you serve God because of your outward actions, but your heart is devoid, devoted to another. And the, the rich young, young ruler couldn't, couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He couldn't just serve Jesus. And so what we find here is the problem of a divided heart. And Hosea 10 verse 2 says this, Their heart, referring to Israel, is divided. Now shall they be found 40. You see, let me tell you, God promises that he will turn our, 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 our stony hearts into hearts of flesh, right? 
That's what God does. But we have our part to play in terms of where we give that heart. We have responsibility. And so money can be a God. And the reason we have a divided heart, the reason we cannot yet say yes to Jesus in everything that he calls us to do is that we serve money. We put our trust in it. We look to it for what we need, for our comfort. And in so doing, we become in bondage to it. You know, a good way to see where your heart is at, this is going to be really uncomfortable, is look at your bank statement. It's often been said that the way you live your life reflects what you value. Man, this is so challenging for me, I'll tell you something. The whole point is that money should be a tool for us. And this is God's heart. Money should be a tool. He's not against money. But what happens, you see, is that something happens where all of a sudden we become in bondage to it. And it becomes our master. It drives us. You know, Jesus had rich friends. Did you know that? In fact, Jesus' rich friend Joseph, we read that he was the one that got Jesus' body and buried it. And Jesus doesn't say, don't be wise with your money either. It's not like you have to be, don't care about money. We have to be good stewards of our money and use it to extend his kingdom in faith with the talents he's given us. But you see, Jesus knows the danger of money. It's the, it's the love of money that is the root of all evil, not money itself. And so what God is trying to do to his people is saying, I want to protect you from the bondage of money. Because if you get into that place, you're going to live a divided life. And you're not going to live in the fullness that I have for you. And you might say to me, well, Mark, how on earth do you know any of this? I mean, maybe you look at me and think, well, you wouldn't know. You look like you may be well off. Maybe this is not an issue for you. I've got to tell you, it is. Maybe not for the reasons you think. I've got to say, this has been a really hard talk to write. Not least because I've had to wrestle with the Word of God. But I've also had to wrestle with my own stuff. My own heart. Because I can't come and preach this if I haven't sorted it, right? You'd see right through me. (laughs) And there'll be no power. You see, let me give you a bit of my my, my background. You know, my parents, both of them, came from families that fleed persecution. My dad's family, they were, they're Armenians, they lived in northern Cyprus. And when the Turks invaded northern Cyprus, they had to flee. And my granddad left. He, had, he was a bivocational pastor, and he left his shop full of stuff and just had to flee. And then they had to flee Cyprus, and they came to England, my dad and his two sisters and mum and my grandmother, with nothing. And then on my mum's side, my, um, my grandfather had to flee Cyprus for another reason of persecution. And, um, and so they arrived here in... Uh, in London with a suitcase and a couple of pennies. And both families worked hard and they created a life. But deep down, the fear of lack, the fear of destruction, what we call a poverty spirit, was always operating. And what they did in that moment was look to money to give them security. Godly families, but there was something in them that was, wasn't able to, I guess, fully trust because they'd come from that place. And, you know, I think growing up, my brother and I were so blessed. Our parents were so wise and godly with our money and good stewards. But having spoken to them recently, you know, in the early years, that sense of, that, of, of poverty, of, being, of destruction, 
was really operating and, and limiting their ability to walk out in faith because what they did is they looked at the money as their security. And for me, you know, this came and reared its ugly head for me personally. You, by the way, you okay with me sharing this story? Okay, I'll carry on then. That's good. In 2013, Steph and I and the family moved over here in 2012, end of 2012, back from Australia. We were there for seven years. And we came back, and the company I'd founded in Australia in 2013, I, came, I kind of walked away as an employee, stayed on as a board member and a shareholder. And the plan was that um, I had to, we had savings for about six months. And then what we were going to do, I was going to get a job and then wait until the company was sold and happy days. But what we found and discovered was I was not, <laughs> not able to get a job. A mixture of many things, but God was clearly closing the door. And I've got to tell you, in that moment, wow, I literally, Steph and I came to a point of zero money. And all of a sudden, it's like the fear of not having anything came to bear. You know, when God removed by his grace and mercy the money completely, it's almost like all of a sudden I could see the chains I was in and the bar that I'd put myself in. I hadn't realized until money was taken away from me how much I'd actually trusted in money and how much it really was my God and how much I really was serving it. And it was really painful, really painful. You see, the money had covered it up in the past. And I was like, oh God, I was crying out in prayer. I remember one night, uh, three hours I was praying and crying out to God. And thank God, you know, for, for two years, my parents, you know, supported us and other things. And God did provide. I look back and, and, you know, it says in Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy will follow us, follow me all the days of my life. Sometimes it's not until you look back that you realize it. And so I look back and God did provide. We never lacked. But for me, I had to trust him completely every month. And it was really hard. And I, on April the 28th, 2014, I wrote this in my journal as I prayed. I might just read you a bit of it. God has shown me that I have been and do serve money. It hasn't been until this season of lack that this has been uncovered. I do worry and I have worries. I do serve money. God is calling me to be his messenger, his mouthpiece. But I cannot be so if I am loyal to one and despise the other. I've turned a legitimate need into an illegitimate worry. I've turned a legitimate need into an illegitimate worry. And that's what happens. Jesus says, I know you need these things. And I read, uh, if we look in Matthew, uh, where are we? Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And then he goes on to say, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And as I read that in that moment, that was healing for me, but it also presented me with a choice. In that moment of recognizing that I had been using money as my comfort and, and trusting in it for my security, God said, who are you going to trust? And from that moment on, I have looked to trust him. And I'm not going to say it's been easy. I do fall into the trap, and eventually we sold the company in 2016, and we, we came from nothing to plenty. You know, I have known a tremendous amount of money, and I have known no money at all. 
And so in that sense, I kind of feel as if I probably identify with most people here. And I have to tell you this, it doesn't matter whether you have a little or a lot. As soon as you start putting your trust in it, it you become in bondage to it. And enough is never enough. And what happens, you see, is fear and anxiety will always be there. It will always be there. Whether you have tons in your bank account or nothing, that is always there. And that is a sign that you're worshipping money. So I wanted to share some of my kind of thoughts here. I've got four indicators of being in bondage to money. And let's see if, any of, if you recognize any of these in your own life. And this is the fruit, if you like, of being in bondage to money. The lies of money. Number one, money will bring me happiness. While money can for sure take away stresses, it's true, it can. It doesn't in itself give you happiness. I know many people who have a considerable amount of money and while they don't have the same cares as those with less, it's true. They are desperately unhappy. And the fear that it will be taken away means they cannot sleep at night. I've been in my life, I've been able to pay for such amazing stuff creating myself an opportunity to be happy surely and I've just never have been happy why because the being in bondage to it to money means that you can never enjoy it the second lie money will give me the status and identity I need I need more because what will people think if I don't have I need more because if I get the car get the house get the clothes then I can hold up my head high then I can speak to people then surely they'll accept me let me tell you, these things are not wrong. God wants to bless us with these things. What is wrong is when we look to them to give us our identity. And you see, the problem of serving money is it never allows us to fully know that our identity is in Jesus. That is how dangerous the love of money is. Because instead of seeking the Father for our identity and for our status, being a son and daughter of the Most High, we look to money to provide us. And so when people look at us, we go, oh, I feel good. I've been there. By the way, this is my personal list that I'm sharing with you. <laughs> Number three, the lie of money. Just a little more money will be enough. The love of money will mean, as I said, that enough is never enough. I know many people, as I said, I, 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 kind, of, I'm, I, I kind of socialize in many different spheres, many different social groups. And I know people with gazillions that just don't feel they have enough because they've got to be doing more. They need more. They're chasing it. Let me tell you, money will wear you out. Money will wear you out. It will get you chasing it. That's what happens when you're in bondage to money. Number four, money, is, and this is where I struggled, money is more trustworthy than God. I mean, on the face of it, I was in that moment, and God was saying, trust me for all things. I'm like, I just don't think I do, though, God. I read this passage, Lord, and it says, look at the birds of the air, and look at this. Are you not much more valuable? And I go, yeah, I get that. And you say, don't worry, but I, to be honest with you, I'd rather look at my bank balance. Because if I know it's in a particular position, then I'll feel fine about it and I'll trust my bank balance. That is a, a sure sign that you're serving money. It's tough, this, isn't it? This thing called discipleship is a radical thing. I mean, Jesus, he gets up and the Sermon on the Mount says, you know this thing called being a Christian? You want to know how, what it's all about? It's about your heart. You can do all the outward stuff, you can look great, you can say the right things, but you know what, if it's devoid of heart, it doesn't mean a thing. And God is jealous for our hearts, he's jealous for us. He doesn't want our treasure to be elsewhere, he wants our heart to be with him. 
And so when you look to Jesus alone, you see what happens is, is that peace and joy and happiness comes. I've been in moments where I haven't had much, and yet I feel so happy because I know I'm trusting him. And I've had moments where I've had loads, and I'm not trusting him. I'm in bondage to the money, and I just can't enjoy it. Ecclesiastes 5:18 and, and chapter 6 and 6 says that God wants us to enjoy wealth, possessions, and honor because it's a gift of God. He wants us to enjoy these things, but he wants it to be a blessing for us. He wants it to be a blessing. Let me tell you guys again. Hear my heart on this. Our Heavenly Father is jealous for you. He is jealous. Why do you think Jesus was so bold and courageous in saying those things? He wants your heart alone. He wants to be your treasure. Why? Because he doesn't want you to be in bondage to money and to the world. He doesn't want you to have fear and anxiety, to be chasing stuff, to seeking your identity and money. And lastly, as I invite the band up, how did I respond in this moment? And I keep having to do this. This is a lifestyle choice. I make a choice to repent and turn to Jesus and say, I will serve you alone. And what we discover is that we can be more happy in all circumstances. We discover that our status and our identity come from who we are in him, not what our bank balance shows. We discover that we are content and that surplus can be used to extend his kingdom, not to satisfy our desires, and we discover a freedom and fullness of life that only Jesus can bring. And how do we walk in this, as I, as I kind of bring this plane into land? How on earth do we move from that place? Well, as I said, I mean, Jesus said it, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repentance is not a dirty word, it's a freedom word. It means changing our attitude, moving away from what's wrong, and, and setting our face to what he says, to his truth, to Jesus. And so this morning, God is requiring us. He's saying, listen, repent of your old way of thinking because in your new way of thinking, in my way, is freedom and liberty and joy. And all of a sudden, you move from serving money to money being a tool that you can use and that you can enjoy. And you know, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17, do not think I have come to abolish the law. I have come to fulfill it. What does that mean? Only Jesus could exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. And so what happens is when we accept Jesus into our heart, all of a sudden, his righteousness is given to us. And when God looks at us, he looks at us as holy. But in addition, he starts changing our hearts for him. And so as we make that step in obedience and trust, he enables us to do that which he calls us to do. And what happens as we step out in obedience and faith, we freely give our tithes. And we freely give our offerings to others. You know, I've been in place in times in my life where I haven't given my tithe because I've been fearful. It's not that it's not there. Listen, if, let's be real about this. You know, God wants you, if you're in debt, God wants you to sort your debt out. But for many of us, it's, it's as if the money's there and it's just like, but if I give that, that bit, Lord, to you, well, I feel a bit like, can I trust you in that? I've been there. But it's as we give our tithe and offering, we break that poverty spirit. And we say, you know what, I'm going to put money in its right place and I'm going to make a choice, Lord, to serve you and serve you alone. It positions our hearts to him and says, Lord, I'm going to make a choice to say, if your word says, do not worry, then I'm going to step out in that. I lived for two years every month having to stand on this word and God supplied Steph and I and the family's needs. You know, we give to others when they don't even know. So much joy in that. If you haven't done that before, do it. It breaks that bondage. It says, no, I'm going to serve Jesus alone.
as a band player, I just want to end with this. God doesn't need our money. That's not why he instructs us to give. It's his anyway, by the way. But what he does want is our hearts. And in so doing, we walk in the fullness that he has for us. And I think for some of you, I, I, this is what I believe right now. I'm going to say this prophetically. And what does that mean? It means I'm going to declare what God's about to break in some of you. I think for some of you, you've been held back because for too long you've been serving money. And you haven't been able to step out in faith because you've, God says, do something amazing. You think, well, I can't do that because of this. I think for some of you, as you give freely his money, his tithe and his offerings to others, you're going to experience a new joy and a new peace that you've never experienced before because I know I've been there. And I'm not going to say it's easy. There is a part of me every time when I give money, it's like, ooh. But what that feeling is, is breaking that bondage. I'm saying no to fear. I'm saying no to anxiety. I'm saying no to worshiping money and looking that at my God. And I'm making a choice to say yes to you, Jesus, and to all that you have. And you know, next week, we're going to focus on the second part of this verse, which is, and store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, where steels cannot break in. And we're going to look at what that looks like in our lives because it is such an amazing promise that we rarely talk about. But we're going to talk about it next week because we're going to see amazing fruit. I'd like us all to stand. Lord, we thank you that you love us enough to challenge us. Lord, I ask your forgiveness because oftentimes I've come to you like the Pharisees and said, well, I've done it all. You don't, I don't need to be changed in my heart, but your word says that you discipline those that you love. And Lord, we've taken discipline as a bad word because we just think it's punishment, but it's not. It's, it's changing our direction to you so that we can walk in the fullness that you have for us. And Lord, you are jealous for us. You are so jealous for our hearts. And Lord, I pray, Lord, would you personally forgive me? I have a divided heart. Would you forgive me, Lord, where I look to money to give me security? And where I put my trust in it? Forgive me, Lord, where I've looked to money to give me all the things I need. When the reality is, you said, let me take care of that. Your job is to see first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness and all these things will be given unto you. Lord, would you make that real in all of our hearts now? Come, Holy Spirit. You know what? I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Don't worry. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up or anything like that. But if this has resonated with you and you feel that the Lord is speaking to you, maybe you identify with those four points about the lies of money and you say, you know what? Wow. The Holy Spirit has really revealed to me that I am in bondage to money. I didn't realize. If you want to respond, do so now in your heart. How? Repent. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. Lord, you have just made it known that my treasure is elsewhere. Would you forgive me? I repent. And I make a choice to turn to you now. Would you help me, Lord, because it's hard? Would you help me, Lord? Would I not be like that young ruler and walk away? Would I make a choice to give freely your tithes and give freely to others? 
And in so doing, would you set me free from the bondages of money? Set me free from the fear and anxiety. And if that you're responding to that, in Jesus' name, I break that off you. In Jesus' name, that fear, perfect love casts out fear. I break that off you in the name of Jesus. Anxiety for the future. That fear of destruction I live with still now, and I have to battle that. A part of that is generational. But if that's you, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, I just break that off you in the name of Jesus. That the Lord has you. You don't control your future. God does. Yes, you've got to be wise with your money and be good stewards. And we'll look at that next week. But trust him for your future. Where you've accepted the lies of destruction, that it's all going to be taken away. Just why don't you repent now and say, Lord, forgive me. Turn your face to him and say, Lord, forgive me for accepting the lie of the enemy that I'm going to be ruined and destruction. Break that off you in Jesus' name. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's going to wait a couple of moments. We're not going to sing a song at the end of this. I want the band to continue as we just wait in his presence. Spirit, minister to your people. Break lies off us. And for some of you, you might have pain where you have been in that place like me before. We've had absolutely nothing. You've relied on other people month in, month out. Lord wants to heal you of that pain. Come, Holy Spirit, bring your healing now. Come, Lord Jesus. So what I pray for those that have made a choice to to say no to money and to and to see it as a tool not to serve it made a choice to tithe and to give to give to others without them even knowing acts of kindness just give them the strength as they step out and as they do Lord would you pour in your peace I pray thank you Jesus the Lord also wants to heal this morning and uh, we see amazing healings every week often responding to these words of knowledge that I'm going to give now and the, as you guys know the team meet before the service and this is the list of things they have someone with a severe toothache right side of mouth get prayer my right your left someone with arthritis in fingers of your right hand get prayer uh, an injured right ankle someone with a problem with their left ear sciatica or left side of body a child with a, an infection pressure in head, feels like it's been squashed, an elderly man, problem in the right ear, uh, a painful right knee, a lady with an ovary the size of a golf ball, bless you, right side, get prayer, a man with a, uh, a rash and a problem with an eye, blurry, it says here maybe blue eye, any of those resonate with you, get prayer, my right, your left, and if anything's come up in you that you need prayer for in this talk, then get prayer, the team would love to pray with you. You know, God's heart is that we would walk in all the fullness that he has for you. He doesn't need our money, but what he wants is our hearts. Let me just pray a blessing. Lord, thank you for your word that brings life. And I pray for each one of us that you would just bear fruit in us for your glory, knowing that your word will accomplish that which it's set forth to do. And that would you protect us? And would the favor of the Lord be upon you? Would his face shine upon you? Would, he know, would you know his perfect peace? And would you go forth in joy? and in the fullness that he has for you. And everyone said, Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great week.
See you next week. God bless you.